With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real. You're already working hard to earn your money. But how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Friday the 13th, August 13th to you and me. If you have a financial question, we'd love to hear from you. If you're on our website, if you're on jillonmoney.com, all you need to do is click the contact button. Don't forget, if you would like to come on the air and join us, then tell us that. We would really be so delighted to have you. And Mark and I really do feel like it is a much better experience, not just for everyone listening, but for you, the person who has the question, because we can ask follow-up questions. But that said, if you're just a little shy, it's okay. Send us your email. Let us know how we can help out. Sarah writes that she's a long-term fan of ours, and she's listened to our podcast, read books, and she's been following the advice. And she says, I would like your guidance for our older son who's just getting started on his money journey. He's 19 years old. He has his first part-time job. He's always been very good about saving money. He's not a big spender, but he struggles with keeping track of details. We've helped him set up direct deposit for his weekly paycheck, splitting the money between his checking and savings. We also helped him set up a Roth. That's so good. And he also is established automatic monthly contributions to the Roth. We believe the next steps are, one, helping him find an easy way to keep track of his spending, savings, and investments. Two, helping him start his credit history. Do you have any recommendations? Oh, do we have recommendations? So the first thing is in terms of software or apps, I I mean, number one, your bank may have a good app. It is true that many large financial institutions were late to that game, but they're really good now. So that's one thing to consider. Another is to do something like Mint. It's a very easy to use app or Clarity Money. These are very easy to use tools. So I think that's that's your next best thing. And in terms of starting a credit history, you know, why don't you consider a secured credit card? A secured credit card kind of is like, it almost feels like a, a gift card. Like you 
prepay. You put money down on this card. It's in his name. Let's say you put 500 bucks on it. Now he starts using it and the money gets pulled out automatically. And what's kind of cool is it will start to establish a credit history. So I think that if you did that, that's kind of the path forward. And I don't know if he's going to be the kind of kid who goes to college or not, or if he's going to have any sort of installment loan, like an auto loan or a college loan, but that will also help establish a credit history. Anything that he does where he's on the hook for something will do the job, but you've got to just make all the payments automatic so he doesn't get you know sidelined with the missteps and all that. Okay. Next. Oh boy. Steve's got a couple credit cards. 22 and 24% interest rates. Oh, they're paid off. Okay. I have two other credit cards with lower rates. I'm thinking of closing the one with a high interest rate. What should I do? Don't close it because closing it will negatively impact your credit score. It sucks. I know, but it does. So don't just close it out. Don't use that card anymore ever. Just don't. Are most of these cards, I don't know if these higher interest cards are free or whether they cost money or not, but if there's an annual charge, then maybe I might close it. Jennifer loves the podcast. And she says, I learn something new from you every day. Hmm, isn't that nice? Okay, Jennifer and her husband, they're 48. They've got four kids, 12 to 18, Mark. How about that? Oh, boy. I'm exhausted just thinking about that. Combined, they've got 700 grand in retirement accounts. Good, that's awesome. An emergency fund, $24,000. No other savings. All right. They've got combined income of about just under $180,000. They live in a high tax state. We are going to assist in cash flowing college for our children. Their home's paid off. They've got no debt. They don't lead a lavish lifestyle. Kids have jobs to pay for the fun, for treats they choose to have. We earn a great living, but I'm feeling a bit frustrated about constantly working and not enjoying our money because after bills and retirement savings, there's nothing left. I feel as though I'm developing a sucky entitled attitude and do not like it. (laughs) I'd appreciate any suggestions you have to snap me out of my negativity and hamster on a wheel mentality. Thank you, Jennifer. You guys are actually in better shape than you feel like you're in. Now, here's the thing that I'm going to, I'm, this is such blasphemy. You ready, Jennifer? I'm going to help you feel better. Have your kids take on some debt. That's what I'm going to tell you. I know this sounds terrible. You're not going to do it. I know you're not going to do it. I get it. But do you want to actually enjoy your life a little bit? Then say to your kids, I need each of you to take a $30,000 loan for college. That's what you can borrow. And you, I don't know where the kids are going. Like you're going to assist in cash flowing for college. How much are you going to assist? Because if you really start having all of that money that goes, you know, to them then you are going to keep feeling crappy. And I think the only way that you get out of your negativity is for you to have an honest conversation with these kids and say, here's what we can do, but we can't do it all. And maybe it's an amount of money that you feel comfortable doing. This reminds me, it's so funny. I was just, I just came across notes that I had from a conversation with a work colleague of mine. This is from 2020. And the conversation was, I have notes from this, that she was 46 years old. She makes 120 grand and her husband makes another 25 grand. And it was like, how am I going to pay for college? And I said, you're not going to, that's it. And she was shocked. 
and she will never she will never follow my advice, but I can promise you, promise you that if you do follow my advice and you give yourself permission to actually enjoy yourself a little bit, you're going to feel a little less um, crotchety. I mean, I wish you hadn't paid off the house. Yeah, you may actually qualify for some financial aid because your kids are so close in age and they're going to overlap with one another, right? So uh, I don't know, man. It's it's rough. It's it's really really rough. And I I don't know really how to get you guys out of this this hamster wheel of negativity, except to say that you have the ability to do it. I don't. You can free yourself. You can walk off that treadmill right there. You can. You know what? I'll tell you what. I want everyone to listen to this weekend's podcasts because we are going to talk to somebody who's got a very different view about student loan debt. And maybe after you listen to this weekend's podcast, you'll feel better. And maybe you'll give yourself permission to just say to the kids, take out loans. We'll talk later. We'll talk to you in five years and see where you stand. All right. Gary, subject, convince me not to retire. I don't want to. I don't want to convince you. All right. Let me see. Uh, he's 56. His wife is 55. They live in Georgia. They've got a couple kids. One's 23, graduated from college, has a job, but we're we're going to have to help him out for a few months. We love him, but we don't want him to move back home. I don't blame you. Other son is 21. He's got a year and a half left of college. We're self-funding college, including room and board, 18 grand a year. They've got $1.2 million in a taxable account. They've got I think I think there was a typo, but there's there's like one point two million dollars in one account, one point nine million, I think, in a retirement account, four hundred grand in in cash. It's three and a half million dollars. They've got a couple of houses. One is paid off. The other is worth seven fifty and they've got three hundred fifty thousand dollars left on a mortgage. It's a second home, like a vacation home. They're going to sell their main house. That's good. And they're going to move into a 55 older apartment in a small downtown area. Plan one, take the money from the sale of the main house, pay for the mortgage of the, of the vacation home. They do plan on moving there full time in the future or invest and use the interest to pay the mortgage. The only concern I have with that is the mortgage is about $2,200 a month. And the apartment we're moving into is also $2,200 a month. They sold a business that they ran for 20 years and uh, wife is still working as an independent contractor. Going to be a while before she takes any money. This year, they're going to make a combined $60,000. The real question, do we have enough to retire on if we want yearly income of $100,000 after taxes? We have enough cash for four years before we would have to withdraw from any retirement accounts. If we retire, we would move to the mountains, get part-time jobs if needed, maybe working at one of the many breweries that are around town. By the way, I love your podcast. Mark, what do you want to do with this guy? Yeah, we need health insurance money for sure. Okay, this is what I'll tell you. I don't want to pay down the debt at any time soon before we understand what the real situation is going to be. So I think that the first thing I would do is I'd sell the main house and what's the apartment? I feel like the apartment is the part that's kind of bugging me right now. Do you really need it? Why do we need an apartment in the small downtown area? Why not just sell and move to the big house and then you can afford this and it'll be a piece of cake. He says, I started an, another company with a few other people. It's going to take some time to build. Any, so they're basically independently employed. They're building up businesses and, you know, nothing's going to happen anytime soon. So I'll tell you what, 
I'd sell the house, I'd move to the mountain house, and uh, and I keep building up my business. Unless you're going to tell me you have to be in town for some reason, which I can't imagine, but maybe you do. I'm not going to convince you not to retire. I'm going to convince you that if you want to retire, you're going to need to make different choices. And I really don't think you should soak up your liquidity for any reason. So it may be that I want you to pay that mortgage down three years from now when I know more about what's going to happen. But now, mm -mm, I don't think so. But you're close. I would not pay down that mortgage because I want access to your money. Uh, Okay, here's Dennis. Hi, Aunt Jill. I've been a fan since your first appearance on the 404. Oh, I love that show. I have a question about credit card application and its impact on my credit score. My company's relocating me from Chicago to San Antonio. Part of the reload package is $11,000 pre-tax for travel expenses related to finding a new house. It got me thinking, maybe I could get a credit card with favorable points and mileage. My concern is this, how will the process of getting a new card impact my credit score as I pursue a new home purchase in the next couple of months? My credit score has hovered in the 800 range. Um, well, when you apply for new credit, you get a hard credit inquiry check and it does negatively impact your credit score. So I wouldn't do anything like this. Cute idea, but I wouldn't do it. All right. Uh, that's it. That's the program. Uh, Friday the 13th. Be careful out there. Or maybe it's a lucky number for you. Mark, you like 13s, don't you? I'm number eight also. You know that. You and I share that. Uh, remember that our, uh, and you know what's 13? Caden's 13. They distribute our podcast, and our music is composed by Joel Goodman, and he is Mark Talercia, the best executive producer in the world. As always, we would like to encourage you to send us your questions. If you're on the JillUnMoney.com website, hit the contact button, and we will get it. And uh, remember that we have a mantra here for the rest of the year. I don't know if I want to think of a new one every year, but at least for the rest of this year, it's grit, growth, grace, a little bit of gratitude. And don't forget to tune in this weekend. We're going to have a great conversation about higher education college. Okay. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.